and then on top of that, you know, Bucknell wasn't very diverse. And so um, at the time that I came in and we were recruited, my head coach at Bucknell had never had a black female student athlete on her team, except for I think maybe one. And so in the first recruiting class that we were there, I helped bring in five. So it was really a culture kind of shock for those girls, along with it was kind of a little bit of a culture shock between my head coach. Now for this week's guests. Shortly after 9-11 and the Pentagon attack, Jackie Carson had to make a decision to give up playing basketball and pursue a career in coaching. A trendsetter and breaking down barriers, Coach Carson is on the verge of elite status. This one is so good with Coach Jackie Carson. Coach, appreciate you uh, taking time in the middle of the season. Um, as you said, you gave the players off uh, a day off today, but uh, taking time to uh, to join myself and, and my partner here, partner in crime, Kyle Decker, uh, here on the Underdog Podcast. Calvin, Kyle, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be with you guys, and uh, thanks for an invitation. So, yeah, we're, we're we're excited to have Coach Carson on today for sure. So, yeah. Coach Close at UCLA spoke very very highly of you. Um, she shared, you know, her her underdog journey, and we want to highlight your, you know, some adverse moments and kind of your underdog journey. And in doing research, let's kind of go right into that. Um, you were wanting to go to med school and a basketball coach was nowhere near in your sights. And I believe you ultimately went overseas to play basketball, came back, and were still going to pursue the medical field. But things kind of, as you said, I think I heard in one of your uh, another um, podcasts, kind of took a left turn. Can you kind of pick up the story from there and just kind of just tell us about how that underdog story or kind of that journey made that left turn? So, yeah, absolutely. You, you nailed it pretty good. Um, I was pre-med in college. Uh, I had a, I, I am a Furman alum as well. So it's great to be able to come back to your alma mater and be the head coach. Um, and I, and I had a pretty good career. So I had the opportunity. Um, I tried out for WNBA. That's when it just started kind of blossoming. It was four years in and I was a replacement player and, um, and I had the opportunity to go over and play um, basketball overseas. So my first year I went to Belgium. Um, and then um, a craziness happened, 9-11 happened. Um, and um, my dad is military. And so I, uh, my dad actually worked in the Pentagon at the time. And it was pretty scary because his the part that was hit was the part where he works in, but he wasn't there. He was in Hawaii. Uh, he left the day before. Wow. So. Um, it was crazy. So I, I took a little bit of a pause. I actually went back to Furman just to work out with my old teammates and my coaches. And then in December, I left to go to Israel, which was crazy scary. So it was like December, of, you know, same, what, three, four months later after 9-11. So went to Israel. It was a phenomenal experience. Um, came back and I was supposed to go to Russia. And I was like, you know what? Russia doesn't sound like a great spot for me. You know, like I don't like cold, uh, but I still love basketball. So I thought I'm just going to go back and I'm I'm, I'm from Northern Virginia. And I was like, let me just go back and start getting my hours to go to either med school or PA school. I couldn't really decide which direction I wanted to go in yet. And so while I did that, I was an AAU coach for Fairfax Stars and our team was loaded. That's when uh, winning a national championship at AAU actually meant something. You had to do <laughs> regionals and states and like you played in a tournament to win. Um, and so during that time, my assistant coach, Tim Taylor, who's now the head coach at Navy, 
um, he was at UVA coaching and he's like, gosh, you need to go in college uh, coaching. I was like, no way. He's like, no, you definitely do. And I was like, coach, I have no interest in college coaching. He's like, but your mind for the game, like your passion. And, and I admitted that I really missed being around basketball and just having a part in, in the program and the, you know, everything involving a team. So he put my name out there to Kathy Federaca, who was the head coach at Bucknell. He's like, I, I got you an interview. Just go take it. Just go take the interview. And I was like, okay. So took the interview, got offered the job, and and here I am, 18 years later, um, on a completely different path than I thought I was going to be on. So, so I hold on real quick. Yes, sir. Let's give some credit where credits due. Yes, sir. She yes, sir. is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Coaching at yes. her alma mater. So congratulations, Coach Carson. Like that's a. You know, my, my partner in crime here, Mr. Black, doesn't always give credit where credit's due. So I want to give you, <laughs> just to make sure, just to budge in there, you know, before he hijacks the whole interview, that you are, you know, a, a Hall of Famer. So coaching at her alma mater and doing a great job as is. So anyway, I had to budge in there. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> as you can tell, we, we're we like brothers. We, we go back and you know? forth. We go, we love I it. love we it. Love it. We yeah, love, yeah. Um, I love it. So I actually, did you just move away from me? Yeah. Um so I actually had the opportunity to coach um, at the collegiate level at a very small Division two school, going in, no money, living in the dorm as a 26, 27-year-old, trying to figure out your path. As a young black female going into that profession, probably not making much money as an assistant, you know, what were some of the struggles and barriers and things you had to overcome um, as you were, I guess, ultimately – rising the ranks and trying to find your, your, I guess, really that, that path? No, that's a, that's a great question. So, um, gosh, I think I was 24, um, 24, 25 when I, when I got into coaching. And, um, first of all, I don't know if you've ever been to Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, but there's only two things that's in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, Bucknell university and the federal penitentiary. So, um, at the time, I was single, so I was like, apparently, I'm going to stay single because obviously I'm in a college town, so I'm not going to date anybody that's in college, and I'm not going to roll over to get a nice inmate at the federal penitentiary, only one and uh, only three in the whole United States, I believe. So, um, so it was difficult. It was difficult to, um, you know, as a student athlete, you're not completely aware of the number of hours that your coaches put in. You really think they don't do anything, uh, but coaching is. is you guys know it's 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 around the clock. There's no off. There's it's nonstop. There's no summers. There's no breaks. You have to kind of try to find that balance and that personal space whenever you get a chance. And that's really difficult as a like I said, a 24, 25 year old um, that um, living in Pennsylvania. Um, so, and then on top of that, you know, Bucknell wasn't very diverse. And so um, at the time that I came in and we were recruited. My head coach at Bucknell had never had a black female student athlete on her team, except for I think maybe one. And so in the first recruiting class that we were there, I helped bring in five. So it was really a culture kind of shock for those girls along with, it was kind of a little bit of a culture shock between my head coach. And so I had to be really that bridge, which I never really, I'm a military brat. So, you know, you try to hurry up and make friends before somebody moves. It's kind of the thing. So you're like a chameleon. You can adjust to any type of, you know, backgrounds or races and, and stuff like that. So it was really weird trying to, I don't want to say weird, but it was a unique situation for me to have to bridge a gap, a racial gap 
um, on coaching and things you can and cannot say. And so that was the biggest adjustment, knowing that I learned really quickly how much race can actually play into coaching and how those those young ladies are like, she's not understanding me. And I had to go to my head coach and be like, you got to kind of talk to her this way. Like, and so that was the thing. So I had to put aside my own personal things to help kind of bridge that gap between my head coach and my assistant, or, or, um, my student athletes. And that was probably my first eye-opening to how important race actually is in, in being a young female in the profession. Is. Let me yeah. let me ask this real quick because you this is something he always talks about being a young leader. So he when he left when he graduated from college, um, he started our company. We work for a staffing agency as well. He obviously owns it and whatnot. But he talks about kind of the struggles of being a young leader. But on top of that layer of being a young leader and leading people who are older than you potentially, or even being close with the student athletes. Like what other, I guess, how much did that whole having to deal with the racial aspect of it add to that layer of just being young and still having to learn everything and work ethic and all of those things that go into it? Oh, gosh, it had so many layers. It was, it was crazy because, I mean, I think you hit on that perfect, Calvin. Like I had to try to figure out how to like manage up and manage down. So lead up and lead down with my head coach. I just got into college coaching. So it was a balance for me to be like, how do I tell this lady how to coach, you know, these kids who she's been a coach forever. But I feel like there were certain things that I was like, okay, she really needs to know you can't say it like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like, or you can't address it that way just for the racial part of it. So I have this balance of trying to help guide my head coach. And that was difficult. But at the same time, not cross the line for being such a young assistant, which is what I talk about with my assistant coaches all the time. You can't cross that line. You are the coach, you're a staff member, but you still got to have a relationship with your student athletes. And so that is really, really hard to do at, when you come into coaching young. Um, so I, it was it was hard because, as, as you mentioned, I'm trying to still find my way to be good in the profession. And I would be lying if I didn't say, okay, maybe this isn't for me. This is not what I expected it to be just by the load of trying to, you know, balance being a coach, the hours. Um, I kept trying to drive back and forth just to, you know, be able to hang out with friends and have some type of social life to have, to have that balance, but also learning the different aspects of coaching. Uh, it was a it was a crazy load. And um, I, I'm not saying I always ban- managed to uh, balance it very well, but I did learn a lot from those first two years. Um, as being an assistant at, at Bucknell, probably more than I learned, you know, any other point in my career, to be honest. Yeah. And that's a great knowledge nugget. What she said is you got to learn to lead up and lead down. Yeah. So talking about the evolution of leadership, right? I think that's what anyone listening to this podcast could could take away for sure is you got to be able to relate to, like in her business, the players, but also your head coach. And as being assistant coach, you are somewhat of that liaison just like how within any organization of like, how do you, how do you create that awareness, right? There's so many blind spots and leaders and leaders and coaches and leaders on the, you know, as a player that you have to be able, willing to have those inclusive, right? We're going to talk about diversity and inclusion, you know, having those open and transparent and honest conversations. So speaking of that, we want to release your episode. It's February. A lot of it, we like to be timeless, but we thought for this month, we're going to release multiple episodes throughout each week of um, for Black History Month. And 
I think, you know, it's important, the evolution from my understanding and the research we've done with the likes of Tamika Williams and Coach Close and even Charlie Turner Thurn and, and different ones we've had on for women's leadership is the um, the women's basketball game is evolving, at least in the Southeastern Conference, to my understanding of leaders that are um, from the African-American or black community. Can you go through like the evolution? Because you've been in coaching from, like you said, Bucknell to James Madison, then to your alma mater of Furman, but the evolution of women's basketball as far as diversity inclusion, can you give our listeners the the update of where you believe uh, the, the, I guess the current state and the future state is going? Yeah. Um, we still, we've come a good distance, but we have a long way to go. And I, I think you, you summed it up. There's 17% head coaches, black female head coaches at division one, 17% that are head coaches. Um, however, we're almost over 50% for the number of black female student athletes are at the division one level. And so part of, you mentioned Corey Close. We are the two coaches that serve on the Women's Basketball Oversight Committee for the NCAA. And last spring, they reduced, uh, they uh, produced some data, uh, data that was called SMART. And so within that SMART um, goal, they talked about um, the relationship that Black female student athletes have with their head coaches and how that directly impacts their transfer. Uh, how it directly impacts uh, how happy they are at their current institution, if they felt like they were happy with where they were. And that that data was so scary that it was very troubling for me in so many ways. I mean, I was borderline just um, really emotional talking to um, the the other committee members about what that data showed because they have shown there's such a high disconnect of black females with their head coach, especially if their head coach wasn't a woman of color or even just a person of color. And so that was super sad for me. And uh, I've kind of been on this spearheading, anything that closes that gap. And, and, and there's a credentialing program that's coming along. But I just know, as I remember, I had to think back on it as, as I became a head coach. I don't remember a lot of people looking like me when I was a player. You know, there was Karen Kemp who was in our conference and she coached at ETSU. And then you see C. Vivian Stringer. But that's the only I really went back in the last year and try to remember what coaches that look like me did I remember over the court. Carolyn Peck was another one. Um, but I could count less than five during the course of, uh, course of my career. And so right now I'm a part of a, uh, the WOC, which is a women of color head coaching group. And it includes a lot of those coaches that you mentioned in the SEC. And we're expanding it out to every single female, black female that's a head coach of the Division One. And this is exactly what we talk about. I, I happen to be the president of that group right now. And we talk about how we can continue to get jobs, how we can continue to lead our black student athletes, how we can continue to lead our white student athletes. Um, because also the sad thing going with it is, as we mentioned in the last segment, we have to be really, really good. We have to be almost 10 times better than the average male or a white female in order to keep our jobs. We get fired, uh, we get hired slower and we get fired faster. So we have to do really, really job a great job at our um, in our professions. We have to have each other's back because there's a lot of cards that are stacked up against us. Sure, you know the one thing not to go on a side tangent that also needs to be better at diversity inclusion, the NFL. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy not yeah. having a job. Let me just state this, and I don't that care really what anyone, anyone can come at me as much as they want to. 
but there is one fact of the NFL. There's a lot of facts, but there's one man he can coach that should be a head coach of an NFL football team. I just saw a slew of coaches get jobs, which some of them are just mind boggling to me. But anyway, yeah, Eric Bieniemy not having a head coaching job is a it's just criminal. It really is. I mean, the man, and I don't get it. They say he doesn't interview well. Well, have you listened to him speak? He interviews pretty well, in my my perception. But anyway, not to go on a tangent, but I, everything I keep thinking, like the card stacked. I mean, that man, Eric Bieniemy, is one hell of a coach. He should be a head coach. And so anyway, I think there that there's a lot of validation. Obviously, the data is showing it, and obviously, there's a lot of soft variables that are showing it. And it's not just women's basketball; it's every sport, really. Yeah. Mean, think about it. And, and it's just a microcosm of it, as she talked about. Um, and so you did a um, on Twitter. You had all of your players speak out about um, you know diversity and social injustice and whatnot. Um, what has been your message to your to your players? Um, just kind of throughout everything, because obviously recruiting, you know, whether it's black female, white female, Hispanic, Asian, whatever they may be. What is your message as a coach, as a leader of young women, um, when it comes to that? Yeah, so I, it, it's crazy because before everything that Ahmaud Arbery and just George Floyd, I was really, uh, I'm in the South, I'm in South Carolina. I'm a black female head coach at a majority white school. Like, I, I don't want to say I was quiet. I just wasn't vocal. You know, I, I, I didn't have trouble um, speaking out, but I just didn't you know, and for whatever reason. So when all of those events happened last spring, I, I just felt I can no longer be silent. I have two uh, absolutely precious seven and nine-year-old uh, daughters, and I can't imagine them being quiet. And, and then my team, I said, listen, we got to learn, myself included, to speak your truth, whatever your feeling is, and know that there could be some type of repercussion from it for somebody who doesn't understand or just someone who has ignorance, not in a bad way, but just doesn't know. And they're going to speak their truth back and what they believe, but don't muggle yourself, you know? And I had to really, I, I was giving that talk to my, to my team, but I'm also telling myself that like, it was, it's just crazy how people, I, I can't remember who said it to me, but somebody's like, I just don't see you like that. Like kind of militant. And I was like, what do you mean see me like that? And that's when they were saying like that, that's speaking on some of the things that are disparaging in my life. And so, and pointing it out so that it's, you know, it, it brings attention to the matter. Like, and so that kind of troubled me a little bit because I am like that. You know, I am Breonna Taylor. I am a black female that is trying to work hard in her craft and do just that. And, and so it's, I, I encourage them just to speak their truth and whatever it was, I would support them. Whatever they felt like was necessary. I, I would do that for them. So that, that was the biggest thing is just, just speaking their truth. And, and um, the, the video that was produced last spring, that one was more so for, uh, that was all their own thoughts. And then we just did one recently where it was um, about, hold on, my alarm is about to go off. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. The first on UDP, I like it. Authentic. Yeah. Uh-oh. You went mute. You oh, muted it. I think she did. Oh, oh she did. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. Loud. Yeah, we can we can edit this out, by the way. So we'll edit. Yeah, out. no so, worries. Yeah, we well, can I'm wait a, till it's over. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a podcast DJ. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I have the alarm. On. I I I stay in my fortress when I um when I'm home by myself, and then 
one of my family members just came home. And I was like, I did not turn the alarm off. Um, You're good. You're good. So, well, well, we can edit that out. No worries. So just pick awesome. up wherever you were. Yeah. So no, but I, I just really want our girls feel comfortable about speaking their truth. And I had to learn to do the same thing. And I'm just, I'm so pleased with their voices. And again, they did a video um, in the spring. That's all their voices. And we just did one for Black History Month. And um, and that was, everybody's like, oh, was that scripted? I was like, no, it was 100% them just saying what they wanted. And we just put it all together. So I'm super proud of them and how they represent themselves and the university and just their own genuine thoughts and the relationships that they're trying to build. Do you, so Tamika, we talked to Tamika, she gave us a couple little things um, that we may want to ask. And, you know, she, you know, being a young, again, being a young black coach, um, obviously you love your alma mater, but do you aspire to, you know, be one of the power five coaches and, and, and you know, take that next step? Is that something cause for someone who never wanted to coach? Obviously you've been in it for a long time now. Are you kind of happy where you are? Or do you aspire to, to really get to that next level? Yeah, I, I'm kind of different in this realm. You know, I was at James Madison for, for five years and I had seven opportunities to go be a BCS assistant. And at the time, I just really wanted to bloom where I was planted. And um, it was crazy because I felt like I was getting everything that I needed um, to become a really good head coach. You know, Kenny had me in everything. So I was in head coaches meetings. I was working with budget. So I felt like there was no other job that was literally going to prepare me for the next level um, of being a head coach. So now I, I'm kind of different where I don't have a dream job. I have a dream situation um, because I have a unique situation from a personal level. And and one thing that I learned definitely from being at Bucknell is happiness trumps everything. This is a profession that we spend way too many hours. Um, and, and one of the things I really enjoy about being at this level right now is that I can literally make a schedule to go see my kids play soccer on weekends and, and, and play basketball. And just that balance is a little bit easier. So if I can find that next level job, uh, I love being at, you know, my alma mater, uh, but I also love a challenge. I love, you know, and, and I haven't done what I said I was going to do here yet. That's the other part. Like I want to bring a championship back to Furman. That's what I had as a student athlete. And so we're, we're knocking on that door. Um, we lost in the championship game two years ago. I still can play the whole thing back in my head. So that's one thing I want to finish blooming, you know, I, what I planted here. I need that to come into full bloom. But if it's a perfect situation um, that we can't say no to, and because my husband's an administrator, that's the other, bo the other bonus here is he's a um, associate AD here at Furman. So we're kind of like a package deal. <laughs> um, so it, it, it works out for both of our, our, our professions and our careers. And then uh, if I can still find that balance and get a, a challenge somewhere else, then I would definitely look at it. But pretty happy here, but I never close the door to any opportunity. She used to be, um, I mean, as Tamika said, it's, it's very unique. And Tamika's in the same situation where you get to be a coach and a mom and a wife where that's just not, you don't, you don't find that very much. And being it when I guess again, happiness does trump you, you get the opportunity to kind of set a schedule and not be able to miss, you know, what's important is are, are those two beautiful young young girls yeah. so in, in Tamika's episode she had them uh running behind her yeah they, yeah they were they were darting behind so don't worry about a fire alarm oh, you're, you're good so. you guys are just perfect timing because they are they are like zoom like bomb they just come in and they'll just this and they'll come in both sides and kind of bum rush it and then hi you know as soon as I said you can talk and then they just so. yeah. 
thank God they're they're actually in school now. They're in in person school, so we won't have any um, guest appearances. Yeah, nice. well, I know it doesn't. You know, not that geographics matter to everything, but Greenville, South Carolina, where you're at, is a beautiful spot. Beautiful, beautiful spot. Have you ever beautiful. been to Greenville? I have not. Ooh, man, it's a pretty oh, spot. I've only been there. Visit. I drove through there, and I'm pretty fond of South Carolina. You know, I think South Carolina's got some beautiful parts in, in the country. I spent some time out on the coast there uh, at my in-laws place, but nonetheless, Greenville, South Carolina, put that on your your to-do list. There, it's it's a beautiful spot. So just just a, you're at a great university. Obviously, having a being a former player, you're going to get that SoCon right, the, the SoCon Conference yes. uh, Championship. And I right. see, look, I'm getting it right, and it's Paladine, right? Paladin. 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 Goodness Paladin. gracious. Paladin. I, Paladin. So, uh, yeah, so the Paladin. So they're the Furman Paladins, right? Does I get that right? Mm-hmm. And what, can you explain to our listeners? I guess that's the first. Well, we usually end in hot topics. So we'll, we'll get into the, the hot questions. And this is not really a hot one, but it's, a, I guess, an interesting one. What is a, what is a, pal, what is a Paladin? A Paladin is a knight on a horse. Okay. Knight on a horse. I like that. I like yep. that. I don't ride horses. <laughs> Maybe for her episode, we can get me and you on a horse in the night. I don't yes, ride yes. horses. Maybe you could do that. I don't. No. Can, would you go over your comfort zone? Now we got Coach Carson here. Maybe she can coach you. Will you get on a horse ever? I've been on a horse. I'm just not returning <laughs> to it. <laughs> Sounds like it was a traumatizing experience. Yeah. I was in he, Colorado walking along a cliffside, and I was like, if he gets upset and just – you know, yeah. shrugs the shoulder. It's not to one of you. Hey, hey, coach. We we had like a half inch of snow here. My man comes in boots up to his knees yesterday. <laughs> like he is a unique character. Coach, I, I don't coach, know how to explain coach, this, coach, man. Coach. It's preparation. <laughs> I'm a brother who should be from the south. <laughs> <laughs> you should be living in Greenville. So hey, he does you need not to come like to Greenville. Cold. We haven't had. They will shut down the whole state of South Carolina for five flakes of snow. So you need to about. come. Oh, yeah. Cincinnati? (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Um, All right, so some hot topics. Um, I hear you love love to draw. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, not many people know that one. Yeah. I do. What what brings out the artistic, I don't even know how to even phrase it. Artistic ability of Coach Carson? Yes. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, how do you get in your artistic Uh mode? Well, it's definitely evolved now because I, I don't get an opportunity to draw as much as I used to. So it probably comes out more in my fashion, which is how people kind of see it. So, like, I'm probably the only head coach in the country that designs all of our gear. <laughs> Love that. But, nice. That's sweet. Yeah. I, I don't like anything looking like somebody else's program. So we're going to have different fonts of Furman and different colors and I like um, like finding the Nike shoes that are not necessarily purple and white. They might be neon green, and then we're going to design a Furman shirt that has neon green with purple. So that's probably that design aspect comes out through our gear and my sideline fashion, probably. That's what I was just going to say. You're, I, I saw a few pictures of your sideline fashion, and I yeah. was like, I, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm on the Furman yeah. website, and, man – yeah, you, you walk down like a runway like yeah. that, man. You, yeah. you got some fashion. I, I Good for you. I, I, I just can't. That's that's my thing. Like, it's crazy. My mom, again, as I mentioned, she was never too happy about me not going to med school and, and going into coaching. And she's, she's finally getting over it now. But she she just told me, how do you coach? Just don't look like a coach. And I said, what, what does that mean, mom? Like, 
how do you how do you look like a coach? She's like, I don't know, just don't look like a coach. And so I guess this is my way of not looking like a coach, you know. And you know, a lot of people are like, how do you wear stiletto heels and three, four inch, five inch heels on the sideline? And for me, it's it's really just showing um, our 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 females what professionalism looks like, mm-hmm. and that you can kind of rock it like. I'm to each his own in the coaching world right now during COVID. And I know a lot of coaches have gone to sweat, but I just don't feel comfortable telling our girls, Hey, this is a real game. Let's go get after it. And I come in the same thing I go to practice in, you know? So I think that's a big thing for me is just showing that professionalism and that regardless if you're in the coaching world or if you're at the office or you're a CEO, you can come and you can rock it and then, you know, go home and put your sweats on. Cause that's, I mean, you see me now, that's what I have on 90% of the time. Yeah, look good, play good. Put right? your uniform on. Time, time to be ready for business. Yeah. Tire shoes. Um, <laughs> this you didn't get that. See, look, I'm not. Coach Carson, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I, on I got you. it. I got I'm, it. I'm on I'm, you. If you heard in other episodes, my man doesn't like to tie his shoes at times. Are they tied today? Hmm. Let's pick up your pants here. Okay. Are they tied? They're yeah, tied. They're We're tied good. Today. We're good. They're tied today. Because I said, I said, today. yeah, Coach Blackman. I said, Coach. You got well, to be ready to play every day. As a true athlete, I've never really had to tie my shoes as I've gotten older because I'm not really too explosive anymore. So, did you like how I did? did you like that right there? I did. I, just, I yeah. did. Yeah, before we digress, keep, so, keep firing away. This is about Coach Carson. How um, um, Kobe Bryant was obviously very inspirational to me as he was to a lot of people in the whole girl dad movement. Shout out to my my co-host here who is going to be a girl dad here. A mamacita. Um, a mamacita. This Can't is wait. coming this summer. Um, yeah, I'm joining your guys' club. Yeah. Yeah, I can't you'll wait. love it. So yep. not wait. Yep. So my question is, how does, your, <laughs> how does your husband enjoy being a girl dad? Oh, my gosh. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah. I mean, I, there's not too many men that completely enjoy having no control in their household whatsoever. Um, and it's, it's a whole different feeling just being like, I literally, it's, it's so weird. You asked this question all last week. I've been looking at our girls and he is the ultimate girl dad, especially during COVID because like they're in soccer right now. So my oldest daughter, who's nine, she's travel soccer. So she practices three times a week. She has a tournament this weekend and, and near Columbia, South Carolina. And, and he just, he just rolls. They're like, he's got the truck and he's, Get your cleats. Let's go do this. Let's do this. He t- he goes and gets takes them to get their hair done. Um, I mean, he he just rolls with it, and so it's crazy because he uh, he loves it. He uh, during COVID we have this it kind of went viral. I had this whole thing on social media. I guess I was extremely bored. It was the Carson Chronicles of during the Corona uh, crisis. And um and it just showed him his side of him being girl dad. So we he dressed we dressed the girls up and like and act like we had a restaurant and he like he takes them out on dates and gives them flowers and it's uh, I mean he owns it he he really loves it. So hey, he went. Let's give Rob's his name. Let's give Rob some shout out. Yeah. Uh, he's Absolutely. associate athletic director. If I got this right, for academic success, diversity, inclusion, and engagement. And my man. Just put girl dad at up me. Here. I have to aspire. That's like, why I asked. Yeah, you better. He better leave work right now and go and yep. get to work on girl dad. Yep, you got to go put a suit on, <laughs> take your girls to dinner at I'm home, on, drink uh, of it. This is why no I asked. 
Take, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. I love it. I love it. And he's a phenomenal cook, so he cooks them whatever he wants. Oh, so there's man. A Rob. 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 Dude, now, see, now, Rob's now, making Rob, us all yeah, Rob, bad. now, you, you just took it another level, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was good with the Rob. I felt Rob. That's how I felt, he got me. Yeah, cooking. running backs. Reeled me in. Yeah. My man was a running okay. back. You know, he's toting the rock. <laughs> he's a girl dad. He cooks. Probably cleans. Yeah. I mean, man. He does clean. Yeah, you, he better, does. you better be nice to him, Rob. I know. I Rob, shout out to you, my shout man. Out to shout Rob. out to you. <laughs> um, two more. Okay. You were an accomplished tennis player and had a volleyball scholarship, from what I've researched. Oh my goodness! But you Y'all decided got to go stuff. basketball, so you were an athlete, all around athlete. I am a pretty good athlete. All right, all right. So were you in volleyball? Help me out here. I'm not. Were you one of those that were on the side that came in spike, or were you more in the back, or how does it? Where were I you was at? outside. Here's the really funny thing about volleyball. I literally only played one year of volleyball. I've only played my senior year of high school. Um, our volleyball team at Hilton in, in Northern Virginia was phenomenal. Just constant state championships, and it was always during soccer. And I played travel soccer, so I never played on the team like the school team, but I just played travel soccer to help me stay in shape for basketball. And um, and then I obviously played travel basketball all year, but I was like, let me just go for volleyball. And I loved it. And I only played, and it was crazy. Most of the year I had no idea what to do. I just knew when to hit, when to approach, how the, you know, how the set was coming. And I knew I could smack the life out of the ball. Um, I had a pretty good arm swing. So it, it was funny. I really got – a whole lot better in the course of one year, and I, I did get an offer for a scholarship, and I thought it was hilarious because I had no idea what I was doing. You want to know a commonality? I played travel soccer my entire life, and yes. I only played one year football and got a scholarship. Here See we that? are, friends. So all the parents – well, let me let me combine this knowledge nugget, and we'll get, I know we'll get to the last question, but you don't, as a parent, have to be a helicopter parent, and your son or daughter doesn't have to be an all-star – in kindergarten, you can <laughs> truly learn. I didn't start to play Literally. football until seventh grade. Right, like you do not just become a good person and and and, and you know enjoy being an athlete, work at your craft, and have fun, right. and good things happen. It's crazy because I volunteered for the last to last year 10, 10 years almost in high school athletics on the football side. In the parents, the parents that put so much pressure on even a freshman in high school or whether you're a senior. It's, it's crazy. It's absurd. absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It is awful. So anyway, I love the whole the whole you know rounded athletes being multi sport. Um, yep. You know, being able to have an ability to just find your way. <laughs> These people are so exactly young. Exactly right. To uh, specialize at a, such an early age. I'm a big multi sport person. So if my kids want to play multi sport, you know, God love them. Go do it. We can so, help. We can help. Oh, you and recruit. that's huge. That is huge. You yeah. have to. I was a cheerleader. I have three older brothers, so I had no choice but to also be a cheerleader. I was the only girl. I'm the youngest, so my mom made me do ballet. She finally got a girl, so I was ballet, cheerleading. Like, So I, I, I wanted to do anything that my brothers did, which is all the sports, and I had to do all the girly stuff because my mom, I was the only girl, so I had to do everything. So please don't just put your child in one box. Yeah. yeah. Love Amen. Love Appreciate it. the message. All right. Last question. Yeah. So before you answer this question, have, this is how we got, this is how we got to you, by the way. So it's not all bad. Uh, you have to be willing to help us make this happen. Okay. Who okay. is one person we should have as a guest on the underdog podcast? Oh, 
Ooh. Let me see. That's a tough one. Okay, let me think of I have some phenomenal women I'm around, so um uh oh my god, I, I needed some prep work for this one. Let me <laughs> Because um, there's so many. Oh, gosh. So, Coach Close, I'll buy you some time. So, Coach Close, those that didn't listen to that episode, uh, we released today, by the way, uh, here in February. Yeah. So, she had mentioned yourself and, and one other person, and so that's how we, we got to you. So, uh, we're yeah. open to any everyone and anyone that – She mentioned you know, uh, um, Coach uh, Joni at, uh, at Georgia. Oh, because I was going to say Joni. Well, but, uh, she hasn't responded, but if there's okay. anyone else you have or if you want to help make that connection, we were. Well, I'm going to talk about the, the, probably the queen of underdogs right now is one of my closest friends in the business, and that's Michelle Clark Hurd at Cincinnati. Oh, and, our backyard. That's where we are. Yeah. She's right downtown. I've heard that. I've actually, that's the second time I've heard that. She's in our backyard. And I say that because. She has been like this year has been challenging, obviously for everybody in COVID. Um, but phenomenal coach at Western Kentucky that took her team. They were just a powerhouse mid major that was beating big time programs. Um, and now she's at Cincinnati rebuilding that program, and she's just phenomenal. And she is a fireball of all fireballs. And then I would have said Joni um, as well. It's just. Joni's just the uh, epitome of class and what she's doing at Georgia is absolutely phenomenal and how she's, um, I mean, it's not easy to follow behind Andy Landers and still just be able to be phenomenal mother. Um, we share the commonality of having two little girls and, um, and they, they both have been huge uh, support systems for me. And, uh, but they, they're phenomenal coaches. I think they're, their coaching ability is so much overshadowed. They are phenomenal coaches between Joni's defense, um, Michelle's ability to just transform programs um, into contenders every single year. Like, I don't think people really realize how good they are because they are, you know, the motherhood, their relationships and all that kind of stuff just uh, almost outshines their coaching ability. But really their coaching ability is top notch. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to hear that because to be honest with you, for the longest time, and I loved when women's basketball – well, I shouldn't say I loved because I'm about to say the opposite, but when it's so top-heavy with UConn and Tennessee and so on and so forth, I love to see some parity now. We're having Coach Close in here, top five program, seeing oh, yeah. some different teams come in and mix it up. Me, that's what I love about the men's side of things is that, yeah, you have your blue bloods, but then all of a sudden now you got – you know, uh, someone else making a run like Wichita State or George Mason or something of like that sort, it, it does to me bring excitement. You see, see, see new teams challenging for the top uh, title is, is to me is great thing. And it seems like that's where women's basketball, which I think is a big credit to the overall sport, the talent is getting greater, in my opinion, because that means that you're, the talent is being dispersed throughout the country and there's good coaches that are – you know, going to different schools. We had, so we had Duffy on as well. So yeah, Megan Duffy from Marquette. Oh, yeah. She was a great job at Marquette yeah. from Miami, Ohio. So. Yeah, so she went to high school yeah. with me and Tamika as well. So oh, 
Oh my God, y'all are just connected. <laughs> no, well, but we appreciate it. Women around you. Yeah, Coach, <laughs> Coach Carson, you are fantastic. Glad we could slip Robin, who is Dad of the Year. We'll, we'll give him a Doy yep. Award. Uh, we'll send it down that way. Um, how can they, anyone that's listening that enjoyed this podcast that wants to engage with Furman or yourself, what are some Twitter or Instagram, anything they can do to engage with your program? I love engaging with anyone out there in the community. I'm, I'm really an open book. Uh, normally we'd have open practices, but obviously COVID's a little bit different. But social media, I'm Coach Carson FU. So not too many schools can say FU all the time. Um <laughs> It, it, it's great. That's so great. it's my hashtag. So Twitter, uh, Instagram, Coach Carson Fu. My email address is jackie.carson at Furman.edu. So um, I am not always the most timely. It just depends on what day, but I will get back. So awesome, no awesome. doubt. Well, we learned some knowledge nuggets. Like yeah. I said, managing up and down. Other other things about diversity and inclusion today, Coach. You've left us in a better state. Our listeners, I'm sure, are appreciative. Can't wait to release this. We'll let you know when. And thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. All right, Coach. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.